0: Well, it's certainly good to see everyone this morning, and just again, very glad that you've committed this time to be here together. And always grateful, as I have been sharing this Sunday morning. I have completed nine years with you as your pastor. Is that remarkable? It seemed like thirty for some of you, I'm sure, but uh, it's gone by very quickly. It was uh, it was nine years ago this morning that I preached in view of a call here, and and. It's been a great, amazing nine years. I want to make an understatement to begin this message this morning because I believe I can say for everyone here that I am and that we are uh, very tired of the division that rocks our country right now and seems to rock people all over the world. I've never seen such hatred for our fellow Americans and many of those also believers and people of faith. And such bitterness that boils into battle, I am amazed. I didn't read the article, but I'd, someone was mentioning it uh, this week that Chip Gaines from Fixer Upper had written an article in response to their lives being threatened if they didn't cancel their show, and that he wrote the article of what has happened and why has, you know, why has difference become anger and, and threats and you know I haven't read the article yet, but We recognize that we're living in a very, very strange world and with great division. And I know very well that the words that I speak here this morning will make very little impact on that state of affairs that has gripped our nation, but it does not lessen my responsibility or my call to say them because God has given them. I don't know all the difference that it will make, but I do know that God has given this word. And that he gave it on purpose. He gave it with intent. And I will say this, however, and this is a pretty bold statement. That any division here today, any division that rests in your heart, whether it rests as prejudice against groups of people, or prejudice against a few people, or division within families, or or division among friends. I'll say this boldly. That any division that exists here today will fall under these words. These words are designed to affect what's going on in you right now. And if division stands in your heart afterward, that's on you. Because God has created this moment to deal with this division right here, right now. He has given us this moment with great weight and authority in these words so that you and I will not have to leave here. With that same prejudice, that same bias, that same bitterness, that same anger that we had when we came in. If you choose to leave with it, it's on you, not on him anymore. He's going to tell you the truth this morning. I'm going to do my best to stay out of the way and let him speak because I have no particular words to share with you outside of what he has given me. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to begin this morning. A very, very familiar story. I want us to recognize this morning that the vision not only has this benign reality, but it has a very aggressive work to it, much like cancer. It's not going to sit here benign. It's going to grow. And it's going to become active. And it's going to become aggressive. No matter what we say, it's going to change. And we need to understand the magnitude of what happens when it goes unaddressed. Luke chapter 10, again, verse 1 very familiar story. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spend more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. I would love to stop and just go verse by verse through this passage because it is a tremendous passage. It tells us so many things about what the thief does and it tells us so many things about what God does to restore us from that damage. It's a beautiful passage, but I need to tend to the message of this morning. Please note with me that the man whom the Samaritan helped was by all sense his enemy. Please note that the Samaritan was hated and despised by all men. But in that moment, unlike the religious leaders who looked and then passed by, he and he alone went into the ditch to minister to the man who was half dead. Think about that for just a second. Everyone who had been trained, everyone who knew God, everyone who had been required, By those things that God has taught, and the priest and the Levite went past on that road, looked down into the ditch to see the man, and went by on the other side. But here is the Samaritan, and I promise you, this the Samaritans, the Jews hated. They hated the fact that they were kind of mixed breed between one and the other. They didn't get along, and they wouldn't pass through the territories of each other. But here is the Samaritan who walks by and sees this person who by all measure he is supposed to hate And he's the one who goes down in the ditch and he touches him. This man who is half dead. Why? Listen to this particularly. Because you cannot affect people whom you will not touch. Everybody that you have deemed unworthy. Everybody that you live in division with. You have deemed unworthy to be touched. And God is telling us as believers, as Christians, as ambassadors, those who have overcome, those who by our definition are the love of God in these hands, and these feet, we who say and testify that we love God and that we trust him and we put our faith in him cannot affect the lives of people unless we're willing to touch them. So who gets left off of our list? Can we say that I want to have nothing to do with this community or this group of people or this race of people? Which ones do we get to exclude? Which ones do we get to look down on? If we're going to be by the call of God, as he said, go and do likewise, who are we going to get to exclude? Because if you don't touch them, you can't love them. If you if you don't touch them, you can't bless them. If you don't touch them, you can't bring them healing and restoration. If you don't touch them, you cannot encourage them. You cannot affect whom you will not touch. You cannot affect people whom you don't care anything about. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters sitting here, and you are as remarkable a group of people about this as I know, and we love each other, and we have broken down many walls But our world today is desperately trying to stand them. Our world today is, and and I'm not just talking about the ones that are obvious. I'm talking about from one side or the other. It doesn't matter. There's walls of hatred being built everywhere. And we need to be very careful not to line up behind any of them. It's so easy to take a position or a stand. And in that process, divide yourselves from people saying, I will not touch them. And I want to tell you, it is shocking to me. The hatred and the bitterness that's being spewed out of believers' mouths about other believers. Listen to Jesus speak about this in, in Matthew. This is Matthew chapter five. Think about this. Matthew five thirteen, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. This verse is built heavily on a passage in Leviticus 2, verse 13. It says this, And every oblation of, of the meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou, thou suffer the salt of the covenant of the God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offerings thou shalt offer meat. What is required of that salt if it's going to do any good? It has to touch the meat. What good will we be being the salt of the earth if we're not willing to touch the earth with the salt that God has made us? We have no privilege. We have no right to create separation between us and anyone. So what are the chances, again, that that salt would have any effect? Jesus is speaking in Matthew, certainly of salt that has become ineffective and useless. But I believe there's a great warning in this. That the salt will that has lost its savor will absolutely be useless if it, if it does not touch the earth of which he speaks. Look further into Matthew chapter 5, just in the next verse. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How much more clear can that be? How valuable is a light under a bushel? How valuable is a light hid that is supposed to be on the hill? We know the answer. It has no value unless it touches the objects that it was designed to illuminate. Do we believe our truth is light and life? Then what if we withhold it? We put it under a bushel or we hid it on the hilltop. I want to tell you this morning. There has been far, far too much. And again, I know these words won't correct what's happening in our nation, but it can absolutely affect what's happening here. Ephesians chapter 4, go there with me. Here's the real concern. I want us to know what division really does. I'm going to begin reading with verse 20. I wish I could just read it all, but I won't take the time. I'll begin reading in verse 20. Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation that the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Notice tucked away in all of that encouragement, in all of that instruction, in all of that guidance on our kindness and our goodness and why we're supposed to be because we're all made up of one body. We belong to one another. Notice in the middle of that verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Place in Greek is topos. And it means a place or any portion of something that is already attached to something else. What's Paul trying to say? Every area we abandon, Every time brokenness causes us to walk away from somebody and that division now creates a gap or it creates a place, a space, guess who gets to have it? The devil does. I want to guarantee you that's true. Because what happens a few minutes and a few days and a few hours and a few weeks and a few years when that division occurs, what begins to fill the space? Bitterness, anger. And it grows because who is living in the space that we just gave him because we created by our division. We created by our prejudice. We created because we're refusing to go touch someone, heal with someone, restore something with someone and let the division stand. We are creating territory. And I want to tell you, the Bible warns us, neither give place to the enemy. All of us know it's true. Every one of us have watched it happen when the division and the wedge begins. It's not like something just peaceful and nice grows in the middle. We know what grows. And I want to tell you, as believers, we should know that we have been equipped. We have been made ready that we don't have to give ground. Read Ephesians 4 when you get a chance again. If if you're a believer, sit with it, read it again. Find yourself in it. Let it speak to you and see if you can justify your anger. See if you can justify your bitterness. See if you can justify your apathy, which is just as bad, or your mild discontent. See if you can find yourself somewhere in Ephesians 4 and justify those things going on in your heart. See if you can give cause to your words that come out of your mouth so unsolicited, so angry, and so untrue. See if you can find justification for those words. Please remember, this is at the foundation of this, that if I make an assessment of anyone, including my son, whom I know as well as anyone in here, if I make an assessment of him and try to figure out something about him, what is the guarantee about my assessment? It will be wrong. Why? Because God has told us without question... When, in John 14, when Jesus begins to announce that he's going away, he says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send someone to you. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send the spirit to you and he will lead you into all truth. If I want to know the truth, who has to tell me? God does. The Holy Spirit has got to tell me the truth and I will promise you if I say, Holy Spirit, tell me the truth about Jake. He will begin and say, isn't he remarkable? Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he handsome? I promise you that the Holy Spirit is going to bring to light those things in him that he has created. So that when I begin to focus on Jay, instead of focusing on any shortcoming, the Holy Spirit in me will bear witness with the spirit in Jay and I will see every ounce of goodness that's in him. And that agreement about that will be sang as a song to God that will be pleasing to his ears. Our assessments of each other are always wrong. We have no chance of getting them right. So why don't we just stop? Why don't we just stop having the right to make that assessment? To to that privilege of assigning something to someone and just feeling that way because that's just the way I feel about them. How about that day being over? How about these walls just coming down? About the people and the groups and the behaviors that we despise and that we don't like. How about just letting it go and saying, God, if I feel like we're just this way, especially about this body. I don't meet anybody that I won't talk to. I don't care what background. I don't care what their behaviors. I I don't care because I have no right to make an assessment about them. But I want to tell you, it is so hard when they're flying in your face and you're feeling beat up. I'll tell you, God has prepared us for this moment. If the light is going to shine out of the darkness, it's going to have to form in our hearts first. I would like to just challenge you. This is where this has to end. I would just like to challenge you to go back and read Ephesians 4 and see if you can find yourself. See if you can find your anger. Justify your words. The bitterness that you feel toward anyone. I'm not talking about someone around the world. I'm not talking about somebody in another state, in another country. Start right here. Am I holding bitterness toward anyone? Toward a neighbor or a friend? To a family member? This is the day. It should be over. How in the world could we justify it? Because every place we tolerate the division, we're creating a space, territory, that Satan is coming to work. What happens when we close the gap? He gets crushed. And there's no place for him. I can only challenge you with this. I can only encourage you with this. The division here... Whatever it looks like, I I can't, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it exists. But I do know this, that God will turn up that soil that freshly plowed and say, this is where your division is. If you're uncertain, he will be glad to show you. Let him have it. Hand it over to him. He's perfectly ready this morning to tear down the walls, to remove the prejudice, to remove the division so that there's no room for Satan to exist in this story. Lord, we come to you just thanking you in this moment that we can be challenged still, that we can be encouraged still. Lord, you know every heart in here. There's not anything here that you don't see. There's not anything in here that you don't know. There's not any brokenness that you haven't seen and that you're not prepared to touch and to bring healing and restoration. Let it be today. There's just no need to carry it longer. We watch this Samaritan go down in the ditch to touch someone to anoint someone, to pick him up and carry him because he could not move by himself. Paid a price for this man whom he should have hated and certainly the man who would have hated him. Lord, how many of these moments are there within our lives? And I pray, Lord, that today, this this, this is a day that it would change. We would become the Samaritan, the church of this century, the church that's willing to go into the ditch because we cannot affect whom we will not touch. Let our hearts be open. Let our minds be ready. Let our hands be willing to just reach out and touch whom no one will touch. Let this church be known within this community and within this area. We don't know how big a change can be affected, but we do know, Lord, that a seed planted here can produce great fruit. Let it begin here. If nowhere else, let it begin here. And let our hearts so put on display the love of God That which we heard about from Graham Cook earlier, let the love of God that we can now freely receive just pour out of us as a cup overflowing and give Satan no ground, give him no territory. There's a high price to pay for division. There's a high price to pay for our prejudice. There's a high price to pay for our hatred. It's territory given to the enemy. Let us take it back this morning and let us love one another as you've called us to love. We know, Lord, that you do things that we can't even imagine. We have seen so many walls come down, so many barriers. Lord, it seemed like they're just standing back up so quickly. Let us be ready in all things to just run forcefully with your love against all obstacles. Let nothing stand so that the enemy has no new territory. Because, Lord, we know that territory that he takes won't be out away from us. The way that word is written, it's written, he takes territory right next to us. It's territory that belongs as a part of another. We know what happens, and it grows and expands. It just contracts so many others into the story. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for this word. Not an easy one, but a truthful one. And I pray, Lord, that any division that's here this morning has been released and that we can live in peace with one another and put on display what your love truly looks like. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.